0: If you would like to hear my current message series, you may call Butte Bible Fellowship at 530 892 Acts chapter 28. Does the just world hypothesis hold up? Now you may say, what in the world is the just world hypothesis? The just world hypothesis, simply put, is that while living on earth, if you do good, you will receive good, and if you do bad, then you will receive bad. If the world is just, you get your just desserts. You know, uh, what goes around comes around. The chickens will come to roost. In the sound of music... There's a song called Something Good. Maria sings to Captain, and Captain also sings this message that the reason they were blessed to fall in love and have each other is because they must have done something good in the past. So their good deed resulted in the future good outcome. And the lyrics go like this, Nothing comes from nothing, nothing ever could, So somewhere in my youth or childhood, I must have done something good. So the question I have for you today is, does the just world hypothesis hold up? In other words, do we get what we deserve here on earth? We're going to see in chapter 28 that that's not necessarily the case. First of all, as my outline shows four points, We expect death for murderers and miracles for God. We don't expect false accusations for standing for the truth, but that happens. We expect God who chose the Jewish people to accept Jesus the Messiah, but they reject him, and the rejected ones, the Gentiles, are the ones who accept him. And then Paul will be imprisoned in Rome, and yet freer than anyone who's not in prison. Though the book of Acts seems to end in chapter 28, that's only the beginning. Let's read in Acts chapter 28. The first six verses will give us a good idea. You remember that Paul and these others had survived a horrible storm shipwrecked on a sandbar, swam to shore, and some floated on planks of wood, but they finally arrived. Where did they arrive? Malta. Where in the world is Malta? Malta is a tiny island, 18 miles long, 8 miles wide, 58 miles south of Sicily. That's where they landed. Let's read about this in Acts 28. Once safely on shore, we found out that the island was called Malta. The islanders showed us unusual kindness. They built a fire and welcomed us all because it was raining and cold. Paul gathered a pile of brushwood and, as he put it on the fire, a viper, driven out by the heat, fastened itself on his hand. When the islanders saw the snake hanging from his hand, They said to each other, this man must be a murderer. For though he escaped from the sea, the goddess Justice has not allowed him to live. But Paul shook the snake off into the fire and suffered no ill effects. The people expected him to swell up or suddenly fall dead. But after waiting a long time and seeing nothing unusual happen to him, They changed their minds and said he was a god. All right, that's a great intro to our message today. Because in a just world hypothesis, you expect bad things to happen to bad people and good things to happen to good people. These people assumed that Paul must be a murderer because he was bitten by a snake. And having bitten by a venomous snake, a viper, they thought for sure that the Greek goddess named Justice actually would be Dike, D-I-K-E, like Nike, only Dike. This is the goddess of justice in the Greek panthology of mythology. They expected Paul, to swell up and die. And, you know, humans are perverse because uh, they like the macabre and they would stare at a person to see what would be the effects. How gruesome can the death of a poisonous snake bite be? They were just watching. Let's see if he swells up. Let's see if he suddenly drops dead. Because he's getting what he deserves. He must have done something bad. Yeah, he probably killed someone. And even though he thought, whoa, I escaped the sea storm and I survived the shipwreck, he's not going to fool goddess Justice because she's caught up with him. That's why the viper bit him. And that's why he's getting his upcomings, and he's going to die. Let's watch justice in action. But then he doesn't die. He doesn't die. He just shakes off the snake, and there's no ill effects. He doesn't swell up. He doesn't suddenly drop dead. Now they change their minds. They say, he must be a god. He must have done something good. That's the just world hypothesis, that if you do good, you get good. If you do bad, you get bad. But I have news for you. That's not how the world works. The world is such that murderers do get away with murder. And innocent people experience pain and suffering that they don't deserve. We don't live in a just world. And the reason we don't live in a just world is because sin has entered this world. When Adam and Eve sinned, death and suffering and pain and injustice entered into our world. And because of that, we can't experience or expect justice in its fullness in this lifetime. But the good news is, there will be justice. Not by the false goddess, Dike, but by the true God. There will be a day of reckoning. There will be a judgment day. There will be a day of this being dealt with. Now, here's an interesting thing. Mark 16, the last chapter of the Gospel of Mark, has been questioned as to whether it belongs in there or not because it's not in the best of the collection of ancient manuscripts of Mark chapter 16. It seems to stop after verse 8, thereabouts. But in the last part of Mark, it has this interesting verse. Mark 16, 18 says, They will pick up snakes with their hands, and when they drink deadly poison, it will not hurt them. They will place their hands on sick people, and they will get well. Now, according to our passage, not only... Did Paul get bit by a poisonous snake and it didn't affect him in line with the words of Jesus in the last part of Mark 16? But we also read in this chapter that Paul, when he experienced generous hospitality from Publius, the governor of the island, he went and he healed Publius' father who were suffering from the Malta fever and dysentery. So here's his dad who has the Malta fever. The Malta fever was so known to have a terrible effect on the human body that a person would be laid out sick for a minimum of three months or four months up to three years. That's how debilitating this Malta fevers was. Paul laid hands on Pub- um, Publius' father's uh, body, and he was healed. Praise God. Now, that too is there in Mark sixteen eighteen. They will pick up steaks with their hands, and when they drink deadly poison, it will not hurt them at all. They will place their hands on sick people, and they will get well. Well, after Paul healed the dad... All the sick people that were on the island came over and Paul was used of God for them to be healed. Isn't this wonderful? In my mind and heart, what is happening here is that God is showing his almighty power and his loving compassion to the people on this island. What a witness. That not only did Paul preach the gospel, but he also ministered to their physical needs in Jesus' name. And that God was watching over his servant Paul and protected him from the poisonous effects of this viper. And Jesus promised it would be that way. Now, it doesn't mean that we're always going to be protected from harm. It doesn't mean that every time we lay hands on someone who's sick, they will be healed. But it says we're to have faith that God is protecting us. We're to have faith that God wants to heal. And we are to step out in faith, trusting God and vowing to him that his will be done. So it's not the way the islanders had figured it. By the way, have you ever wondered why sometimes pagans, Non Christians act better than Christians? Have you ever wondered why sometimes non Christians, in this case, they called them barbarians, but they weren't barbaric? You can see that in Acts chapter 28, verse 1, it says, Once safely on shore, we found out that the island was called Malta. The islanders showed us unusual kindness. They built a fire and welcomed us all because it was raining and cold. They showed unusual kindness. And then we see in verse 7, it says, there was an estate nearby that belonged to Publius, the chief official of the island. He welcomed us to his home and showed us generous hospitality for three days. And then we see in verse 10, They honored us in many ways, and when we were ready to sail, they furnished us with the supplies we needed. Imagine that, non-Christians acting Christ-like by their helpfulness, by their hospitality, and by their honoring the shipwrecked survivors. Why is it that non-Christians, who you wouldn't expect to act like Christ, act so good? Well, I believe that God has given his common grace to this world so that it's tempering the evil that could be. Things could be far worse if God's grace and God's spirit wasn't holding back people. And there's a common grace that even allows a non-Christian to act in a Christ-like way. That doesn't mean that they've, they're they saved. It just means that they're more capable of living humanely and kindly and thoughtfully than um, being completely debased and um, uh, depraved. So there are unexpected surprises. Let's move on to C then, point number two. Point number two is this. False accusations are set against Paul for standing for the truth. When he gets to Rome, finally, he uh, contacts the Jewish people in an assembly and he says to them, my brothers, although I've done nothing against our people or against the customs of our ancestors, I was arrested in Jerusalem and handed over to the Romans. They examined me and wanted to release me because I was not guilty of any crime deserving death. The Jews objected, so I was compelled to make an appeal to Caesar. I certainly did not intend to bring any charge against my own people. For this reason, I have asked to see you and talk with you. It is because of the hope of Israel that I am bound with this chain. You can see that four times Paul said, I'm not guilty. The charges against me are completely false. I'm standing for the truth. I'm standing for the hope of Israel. The hope of Israel is the hope of the Messiah, and the Messiah has come, and his name is Yeshua. His name is Jesus. And because of that, I'm in chains. I have been unjustly treated, even though I'm standing for the truth. False things have been said against me, and that's why I'm in this condition. Paul is saying this to find out what they have heard. You know how the religious grapevine is. You know, there's three ways to get the news out, according to Chuck Bang: telephone, telegram, and tell a church. And you tell one of those, and it spreads all over. So he expected the news about him to have spread all the way to Rome. But they say, Ah, oh, you know what? We really haven't heard anything negative about you. That may not be true. It may be that they didn't want to get involved. You see, all the Jews had been expelled in 50 A.D. from Rome because they were rioting against followers of the way, which is the Christian faith, the sect, or the heresy as they called it. And it got so ruckus that Emperor Claudius kicked all the Jews out of Rome back in 50 A.D. They were allowed to come back in 54 A.D., And now it's 61 A.D., seven years later, and the Jews are skittish about getting in confrontation with the Christians because they don't want to get kicked out of Rome again. So they're saying, you know, I'm not sure we heard a lot about that. But then they say, yeah, but we'd like to meet with you because we've heard a lot of things said against this sect, against this heresy. So in other words, somehow they heard a lot of trash talk about Christianity, but they somehow did not hear any trash talk about the chief proponent of Christianity, the Apostle Paul. Uh, That's not probably true. However, the point here is that a just world hypothesis would not stand if it were true. Because if Paul stands up for the truth, shouldn't he be rewarded? But instead, That's what you get for being good. You get punished, you get falsely accused, and you're in chains. So this world is not a just world. And we can see that with Paul. Have you ever been falsely accused? Have you ever been blamed for something that you are innocent of? You've experienced this unjust world. And the point of this is, Don't give up. Continue to stand for the truth. Continue to uphold the message. What's the message that Paul gave to them? It says uh, in the next part that he witnessed to them from morning till evening, explaining about the kingdom of God and from the law of Moses and from the prophets, he tried to persuade them about Jesus. Now here's the third irony It shows this is not a just world because God chose the Jewish people to tell the whole world about him. So when the Messiah comes, of all people, you would think to receive the Messiah, the chosen people, the chosen people should have chosen their Messiah, Yeshua, and believed in him. But the chosen people reject their Messiah and Paul tells them, I'm going to go now to the Gentiles. The Gentiles were the rejected people. The goyim spit. That's how Jews would say it goyim, and then they'd spit on the ground like their dogs and their pigs. They're unclean. The rejected ones are the ones who are accepting Jesus, and the chosen ones are not accepting Jesus. Go figure. Jesus came to his own, it says in John chapter 1, and his own accepted him not but to all who accept him. He gives the right to become the children of God. That's the promise. If you'll receive Jesus and believe in Jesus, you'll be a child of God. Well, we see in Acts 27, 24 to 25, some were convinced. Some of the Jewish people received Christ and became Messianic Jews, completed Jews, by what he said. But others would not believe. Did you catch that? There are times where you could not believe, and there's times where you would not believe. There's times where you don't believe, and there's times where you won't believe. There's an act of the will. There's an obstinate stubbornness that says, I choose to reject this. And that's an active choice of rejection. And the Jewish people were disagreeing among themselves and they began to leave after Paul made this final statement. He said, the Holy Spirit spoke the truth to your ancestors when he said through Isaiah the prophet, go to this people and say, you will be ever hearing but never understanding. You will be ever seeing but never perceiving. For this people's heart Has become calloused. They hardly hear with their ears and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn, and I would heal them. This is the Apostle Paul quoting Isaiah chapter 6, verses 9 and 10. By the way, Jesus quoted these same verses when his disciples came to him and said, why do you teach in parables? Parables are earthly stories with heavenly meetings. Why do you teach in parables? He explained Isaiah chapter 6, 9 and 10 to them. And he says, whoever has will be given more and they will have abundance. But whoever does not have even what they have will be taken from them. This is why I speak to them in parables. Those seeing they do not see, though hearing they do not hear or understand. And he quotes The same exact passage from Isaiah chapter 6, verses 9 and 10. So I want you to notice something, and that is uh, the last part of this quote. It says, Otherwise they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn, and I would heal them. This is so important for you and me if we don't want to miss the things of God, if we want to receive all that God has for us, if we will accept what God's blessings are for our lives, we've got to be receptive. Now notice this. Otherwise they might see with their eyes. We must have spiritual perception and say this is more than words. This is God's truth. This is a message from heaven. Second, we must have spiritual reception. We must hear with our ears. Sometimes we hear, but we don't listen. You know the difference? It goes in one ear and out the other, or or we're we're just uh, covering our ears and and saying, la, 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 because we don't want to hear. We're drowning it out. We've got to have spiritual perception to see the spiritual truth. We've got to have spiritual reception to hear the spiritual truth. And then understand it with our hearts. We have to have spiritual detection to realize this is the truth. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except by Him. You've got to discern in your heart, this is true. This is true truth, as Francis Schaeffer would say. And when you have spiritual perception and spiritual reception and spiritual detection, you will change in your spiritual direction. You see where it says turn? If you see it right and hear it right and understand it right, you will turn. You will do a 180 repenting from your sin and turning to the Lord and then you will have spiritual correction. You'll have spiritual restoration. He will forgive you and he will heal you. That's the spiritual process we want to have. But instead, the people of Israel hardened their hearts. They rejected their Messiah. Paul speaks about this in Romans chapters 9 through 11. He says, here's an olive tree, and that represents the nation of Israel, the people of Israel. They're the people of God. They're the chosen ones. But because they have rejected the Messiah, There are natural branches that have been broken off. But when you as a Gentile trust in Jesus as Savior and God and Lord, you being a wild olive branch are grafted into the olive tree of God's people. That's the grace of God, that we have the opportunity to be part of the family of God through faith in Jesus Christ. And this is the irony of it, that when Paul said these words, Therefore I want you to know that God's salvation has been sent to the Gentiles. Everybody must have just went like, I'm out of here. I can't take this. This is heresy. This is pure wrong." We are the chosen ones. We're the people of God. We're the apple of God's eye, not the Gentiles. The Gentiles are unclean pigs and dogs. He said, God's salvation has been sent to the Gentiles, and they will listen, and they will listen. The last shall be first, the first shall be last. The people who thought that they should have privileges and be first into the kingdom are rejecting the Messiah, while those who are the last, the rejected ones, are receiving the Messiah Jesus, and they're being forgiven of their sins. They're being um, adopted in God's forever family. They're now part of the kingdom of God. Isn't that mercy? Isn't that grace? Isn't that marvelous? That we have the opportunity to trust in Christ and be part of His plan, part of His people. And the last thing we see is This, though Paul was imprisoned, he was free. And though the book of Acts ended, it only just begun. We read in Acts 28, verses 30-31, For two years Paul stayed there in his own rented house and welcomed all who came to see him. He proclaimed the kingdom of God and taught about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. This is very significant that he was under house arrest and he was allowed to rent a house and there was a guard with him 24/7 but he was free anyone could come visit him he could say whatever message he wanted and boy did he for two whole years he preached the gospel in Rome a dream come true because he always wanted to get to Rome and even though he was a prisoner He got there and he was able to share the gospel. And he was also able to write the prison epistles while he was there. Praise God for the influence of this man for Jesus Christ and the kingdom of God. And he preached with all boldness and without hindrance. Now, Luke did not finish the story on purpose. He wanted to leave it with this word, Without hindrance. Why? Because the acts of the Holy Spirit through the church did not end with Acts 28. The acts of the Holy Spirit through the church are continuing up to this day. The Holy Spirit is still working in you and in me. He's still wanting people to come to know Jesus. He still wants to see people healed. He still wants to see people be disciples of Jesus. We have received the power of the Holy Spirit to be his witnesses to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. The acts of the Holy Spirit are continuing. We're part of chapter 29, Acts 29. The book's not finished. And the gospel, even when a person is chained, the gospel is without hindrance. You can be a prisoner of the Lord and still share Christ, and you'd be more free than the freest person. Praise God that Jesus has set us free. Do you need encouragement? I want to share my spiritual gift of encouragement with you. If you would like to hear my current message series, you may call Butte Bible Fellowship at 530 8920521